Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, I have another guest from Australia. Uh, Her name is Anita Bentata, and we will be talking about her work, Targeting Relationship Abuse. Abuse occurs to one in three women, and so in every group, there are likely to be people with past or current experiences of abuse and most probably unresolved trauma that is indirectly or directly shaping what they see and how they act. Most professionals do not receive adequate training about trauma and abuse. It is all surface level, yet trauma and abuse are deep and have many involuntary aspects. No one wants to see how they are tolerating toxic or abuse in their personal or professional lives. People outside of abuse walk on eggshells so as not to get on the wrong side of people, including family and professionals. The victim survivor and the person using abuse are a reflection of the shadow in our family, community, and systems. We are missing family, community, and professional emotional muscle to have the uncomfortable but necessary conversations. For more information, you can visit Anita's website, which is anitabentata.com, and that's A-N-I-T-A-B-E-N-T-A-T-A.com. So that I'd like to welcome Anita to the show. Good day, Anita. Hello, Robert. It's wonderful to be speaking with you. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to have you with me today. Um, this is um, a, a topic that you know we don't talk about a lot, and, and and I'm sure, like I mentioned in the introduction, it's because it's very uncomfortable, but it's a necessary mm-hmm. conversation. So I'm really looking forward to to hearing about your experience and, and how you your work has helped others. So I guess the first thing we should start on is. What led to your interest in this topic? Was it personal experience? It was. It was. I was in domestic violence and I escaped with my two young children. And one of the first things I did was went into therapy because I just knew that I needed support to make sure this never happened to me again and I needed to understand it. And so I went through my own therapy process And in doing that, I came out the other end after a couple of years and decided that I wanted to change careers. I had been working in accounts and bookkeeping and I changed, went to university and changed careers and became a therapist. Wow. That's a dramatic shift in careers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Working with people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know. But it, but I'm sure that, you know, it, it has to be very fulfilling to do what you are currently. Um, so now we often talk about domestic abuse. Um, now, can you um, tell us, um, are there the different types of abuse that kind of maybe fall under that umbrella or the, the different kinds of ways it can be manifested? One of the things when I give I give talks and speak at events and one of the questions I often ask is what is the definition of domestic violence and generally when people put up their hand they actually start listing the types and I always say that if you only recognise abuse by the types then you are in danger of not recognizing it if there is a type of abuse that you're not aware of or underneath the umbrella of each type of abuse there's countless behaviors that are representative of that type of abuse and if you don't understand the definition of abuse then you will miss the 
certain behaviors within that type that you don't recognize. So I prefer to go straight. I'm happy to mention the types, but I prefer to help people to understand what the definition exactly is so that if they're then it doesn't matter about remembering all the different types because I remember I counted them once and there's about 19. And wow. so if you just know the definition, then you can see it wherever it is. But the other thing with knowing the yep. definition that to enable you to actually recognize and see what's actually going on, we need to look at our own beliefs about relationships and uh, about the human experience because those limiting beliefs can naturally overturn anything that we see so for me it's really important not just to know the definition but to recognize and be mindful of how we respond when we see something what's that internal voice what's that belief that attitude um, does it allow us to see what's going on or do we say make excuses or minimize something or and deny it but let me get mm -hmm. to the definition so this is the definition as i describe it in my book domestic violence is a pattern of denial control and punishing behavior within an intimate relationship from one person to another through the use of force now that can be physical or non-physical non-physical is known to be you know amongst people who have lived through abuse, more toxic and harder to recover from than physical abuse. Because on some level, we've all received information from society that physical harm and force is not acceptable. And so we know that even when we're in conflict about what's going on in the relationship. But when someone does non-physical abuse, it affects us still physically the, there's research that shows, and this is also in my book, that the same areas of the brain light up when those who we're close with are talk, in toxic interactions with us, the same areas of the brain light up as if we are being physically harmed. The other thing that's important to realise in regards to non-physical abuse is that Abuse is all about distorting your reality. And so it becomes very crazy-making when it's non-physical because it's your perspective versus their perspective. And so you can start to get a real mistrust about your own instincts, your own intuition, and what reality is. And it can really um, damage uh, your sense of self and your knowledge about who you are. So that's yeah. a well, okay. summary. Well, and I'm, I'm really glad that you, you know, gave us that definition. And, you know, I can understand um, the, uh, the downside to, ident you know, trying to just identify the type um, because it's, um, yeah, like you say, if, if it's not a, if it's not something that you're aware of, then, you know, that you can just be missed. Um, yes. So now I, I want to start now. In the introduction, I mentioned, you know, one of three women. Now, it, it, it goes both ways, right? I mean, there can be abusive behaviors um, either toward women or toward men, correct? Exactly. I, I've been working in the field 25 years, and I have worked with, men that have been abusive to their female partners. I've also worked with women who have been abusive to their male partners and as well the person that's receiving it. I've worked with both ends of the of the receivers and the ones doing it. I've also worked in with same-sex relationships. So for me, it's the cause mm -hmm. of domestic abuse is not... Um, gender inequality because I saw that happening over 25 years through through men and women um, in heterosexual and same-sex relationships. Yeah. The other well, thing that, is that, 
Sorry, Robert, could I just add on with regards to the physical and non-physical abuse that people might not realise that physical abuse is also things like someone throwing something and it damaged or damaging property. That's still physical abuse. It's not just direct physical contact with you. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, thank thank you for for saying that because, I mean, it... You know, it goes back to, you know, what you're saying as far as the um, the control, use of force, you know, the denial aspect. Now, when you talk about um, that um, abuse um, can, is, um, tie, well, is connected in a way to our beliefs, so our beliefs about relationships. So my question is, is, no, do um, is it a case where um, an individual can have beliefs that certain actions um, aren't abusive? You know, when you know maybe they grew up in a family where you know abuse was um, present, so that you know for them. It, they don't necessarily recognize it as abuse. So, yeah. and then you also mentioned that, you know, the abuser then through one's actions as an abuser can impact the beliefs. So my, my question is, do, you know, where does it, um, where does abuse fall in the, the, I guess, the range of, you know, recognizing what it is, maybe because we grew up with it, and then you know the the fact that an abuser can um, impact our beliefs. It's a really good question, Robert. One of the things I've found um, is that ultimately, on one level, even though I talk about understanding what the definition of abuse is, anything toxic, even if it's not abusive, if it's toxic, it's still not a valuable life experience or way of engaging in our relationships. So to come to it a a more simple level is if everybody just goes, does this enhance my well-being or is it inhibiting me? Um, Is this coming from the other person or is this coming from me some voice in myself and it we may not have perceived that we've come from an abusive background there are a Mm -hmm. lot of people that do get caught in domestic abuse that have not experienced that growing up Uh, so for me and another way of negotiating relationships is to just ask ourselves does this feel generative does this feel allowing does it feel enhancing of me and how I can I affect my the other person as well as show how I'm affected Um, and and those questions can be really helpful to navigate our choices but again coming back to limiting beliefs is once we attach to someone we're very social Mm -hmm. creatures and we can come up with a lot of concerns about being on our own that influence why it's a good reason to be with someone now I know I haven't directly responded to your question yet but I just wanted to add that because it felt really relevant to I like to give people uh, another way and an easy way of being able to engage in their relationships that does this feel good for me? Does this feel like we're growing through this or does this feel like we're looping? And so irrespective whether it's toxic or abusive. And one of the reasons why I came to emphasizing that is one time a number of years ago, I was working with a couple and they had a, a very strained relationship. They had children. Um, he w- was going to work. She w- was um, in, had been working but was not at present. 
actually, she, I think she was doing some part-time work, but she was very, very angry at him that he wasn't being the father and the husband that she wanted. Now, what came out through the working together was that he had mental health issues and he was struggling to be to work in his job and to come home and be a father and a husband and he couldn't do more than what he was doing he was receiving help for his issues but what I had to explain to his wife she actually it went from being toxic from her being really viciously angry at him to her being um, physically abusive to him and mm. I was I was trying to explain to her that you are not being with the reality of how he is. You're being with your ideal of how you want him to be and then you're getting very angry at him and you're also overworking because you're trying to fill the gap of what he's not able to do for you and for the children. And because you're overworking, you're getting exhausted and you're you know, there was a whole kaleidoscope of different things that were going on. And so I was working with her to accept reality of how it is rather than how she thought it should be and not fill the gap and then take care of herself. And this, I think, is a really good example of how toxic relationships can become abusive when we deny that we are overcompensating and then we get angry because the other person isn't doing what we want them to do. And so it's really a lot about taking care of ourselves and not expecting someone else to make everything better. We need to own our own power and then see what they are capable of and what they are willing to do. So I hope that does that answer okay. some of what you were saying? Well, it, it does. Yeah. That, yes, it does. Yeah. You know, and that's a, that's a, a wonderful example of um, how abusive, how, how a toxic situation could lead to abusive behaviors, you know? Mm. And um, so now what, now you mentioned that that gentleman had some issues <laughs> that he was, he was working on. Um, mm. What are, you know, what are some factors, you know, from a, that, that can that lead to abuse? I mean, you mentioned there, you know, as far as not kind of, of trying to have expectations beyond a reality, but from an abuser, that's, I'm going to kind of go from both sides, the, the abuser and the abused. From the abuser, what are some um, factors or what are some, you know, beliefs that um, in a, that uh, an abuser would be thinking, you know, as I guess maybe rationalization or explanation or you know, a reasoning for their behavior. Mm -hmm. um, just to also add to what you're saying, I um, you might notice that when I'm speaking, and I know my website isn't quite updated in some of the wording, but for the most part it is that I want to be respectful of parties. And and so for me, it, I'm really mindful that I, I don't personally am comfortable to call someone an abuser because that's making their behaviour their identity. And so mm -hmm. I, even though it's more wordy, I, I always, I'm a very optimistic person. I'm, I always want to give people okay. an, the opportunity so that they, uh, when people are in shame and being shamed, then it's much harder to own and make a change. And so for me, I'm really encouraging people to say the person who used abuse or the person who experienced abuse as opposed to the victim and the perpetrator or abuser. Um, so that we're differentiating the person from the behaviour. Um, so that's just, yeah, a bit of an aside. So And before you answer that, and, and I really appreciate that, you know, because, you know, it is, um, 
you know, the label of, of abuser, you know, would, I can see where, you know, someone would not want to, it would be easier to help someone who exhibits abusive behavior, who uses abusive behavior to rec- yeah. to to let them know that it's, you know, it's the behavior, you know, that, that you're exhibiting, you know, it's, it's not, not you, it's the behavior. So, I mean, it gives them a chance to recognize that there is an, there's a chance, there's an ability to change. So I I, I really appreciate that. So, um, so I guess then let me go ahead and put it this way. Then what are some factors that would lead one to, use abusive behavior in, in, in a relationship. Thank you. Yes. So predominantly I do need to acknowledge that I have worked with people who have been abused. It's very rare someone who uses abuse to come into therapy. And when they have come into therapy, usually because their partner um, has initiated it, though I have worked with a couple where he was the one that used abuse and he brought her in because he wanted me to fix her. Um, but he was, the, mm. you know, I'm, it was apparent that it was him. Um, so when I have worked with people who use abuse, they're very highly in uh, what I might say a delusion or a fantasy. And, it's very difficult for them to see the other person's perspective and to have empathy for the other person there. And often it, there's an indication that that's what they've experienced themselves. And so that mm-hmm. difficulty to have empathy and step out of their perspective to another person's perspective is very, very strong. And what I've found in my own personal experience as well as working in the field 25 years is that there's a really high need for um, their partner to be like one with them where they can't tolerate if you don't think or feel or do the way they want you to be in their fantasy of what's going on. And so when you might say something that there's nothing wrong in what you're saying or doing, but it disturbs the desire for that oneness that they are wanting. And so there's a massive retaliation and reaction to what's going on. And I guess because of the training that I experienced, I take that to very early experiences where when we're born and when we're an infant, the baby doesn't know where they end and where the mother begins. It takes a bit of time for the baby to recognise that that mother's body is separate to them and to understand that difference. And to me, it's almost as if there's something that's come out from that early, those early years and an incredible entitlement like you see with children that have, you know, children naturally have a healthy entitlement, but if they haven't been given the safe environment in resourced, healthy ways, that entitlement can become like a monstrous child. And so we can also see that in adults where there's that wanting to be one and having that, very monstrous um, tantrum in a sense when they don't get what they want and the world isn't the way they imagine it to be. So Hmm. that's just my perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, for the individual who is experiencing abuse, um, is it... um, is it uh, kind of just the like the polar opposite where, where the person using abuse, you know, feels that entitlement, has that delusion of what, you know, they want the person to be who and what they expect. Um, for someone who is experiencing the abuse, is, um, is it a, um, first of all, do they even recognize that, that is what they're experiencing, what what they're you know feeling or experiencing, and, and um, if they don't recognize it, um, 
what what is the um, what is the cue that they would um, kind of look at to recognize it as an, uh, an abusive experience? Okay, you ask great questions, Robert. Um, <laughs> the, the first thing is that generally have found in the 25 years no one has ever come into the room and said I'm in an abusive relationship and I know for myself I was in the relationship over five years and I knew uh, it was about five and a half years after me escaping but it was around the five-year mark um, a bit after that that I actually came to learn that I was in an abusive relationship. Before that, I knew it wasn't good and I didn't like it and I didn't want to stay in it, but I was was very uh, terrified. I was in the stress response and that shuts down your frontal cortex where you can process things and so you're just in emergency mode and it's very hard to make decisions and think about what you're feeling and feel about what you're thinking and take action because the whole mind-body system is mobilised to just address the emergency. It's not about processing. And so I just to share a bit of a story is that the way I found out was I was in my the waiting room of my doctor and I saw on the notice board a, a notice that said, does your partner do this? Does your partner do that? And in my head, when I was reading it, I was going, yes, 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 to everything, jealous and, you know, all of these different mm-hmm. things. And at the bottom it said, um, this is an abusive relationship. And that was how I found out. And I was blown away to think that it, this was abusive because I wasn't being hospitalised. I wasn't cowering in a corner with bruises all over me, even though there was some physical Mm -hmm. abuse and sexual abuse. There was the daily psychological abuse and a whole range of other abuses too. So it didn't fit the stereotypes the way society portrays it and hadn't matched. The thing is, though, that I wasn't a confident person back then, so I didn't go into my appointment with my doctor and say, I've just read this on your notice board. It was kept to myself I had a learnt pattern from childhood to work things out on my own to be self to self rather than share something with someone else because I had grown up with trauma when I went home after the doctor's appointment I totally forgot about reading that notice on the notice board and I only remembered it when I wrote my book 20 odd years later because of being in that survival mode so it, it's most people that I speak to that have been or are in an abusive relationship are in that emergency mode because that frontal cortex is shut down. And so they're just trying to do the best they can. The way they, and this is my hypothesis and from my own experience as well as working with people over 25 years, as, as well as I run women's groups online and offline, And so from here, and people on social media often contact me and share their stories. And so after all those different ways of hearing people's stories, what I, I created a theory as to what happens for the person who's being abused. If you imagine an upside down triangle, so there's one point down the bottom and two up Mm -hmm. on the top. So if you think on one side of the triangle, there's the attraction that someone might feel towards a person. And then on the other side at the top of the triangle is the toxic behaviour or the abuse. And so there's that attraction that you connect to with a person. And then there's this toxic abusive behaviour. And what happens when that's both in the one person, we come down to that bottom point of the triangle and it's confusion, shock, overwhelm. And my experience is when our system is in overwhelm, that is an indication we're actually in trauma. Our system doesn't have the resources to process what's going on. And because we live in a society that is not 
skilled in knowing how to actually be in charge of our own brain and body and those involuntary responses. We don't know how to get out of that shock and overwhelm and confusion and we are stuck in that stress response. So when we are in that state of overwhelm, what we tend to do is we minimise the toxic abusive behaviours and indications and we make excuses Mm -hmm. and we tend to what I find is put on on our best face kind of thing we we learn to be understanding and excuse people and go well this is what love is you be with them through thick and thin or they've had a hard day and they didn't mean it and all these other things. So what we're doing is like we're highlighting the attraction side and we're minimizing the toxic side because we don't know how to be with that bottom point, that overwhelm confusion. And so for me, that's where I help people because I want people to know how to be with any overwhelm or confusion or shock in their life so that you can process it quickly and access the full brain body response so that you can do something different. Does that kind um, of... I'm yeah, to that's great. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, we are actually halfway through the show already, Anita. So I want to take just a quick break. And I do want to sure. invite listeners, if you would like to call in and ask any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. Of course, that is in the U.S. And for those of you down under who are listening, um, you can also, um, through the chat room, ask questions as well. Um, and then when we come um, back from uh, the break, Anita, I want to kind of um, move into talking about, um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, the, the the survival kind of instinct that, that people are in. I just want to talk a little bit about um, the difficulty of, you know, ending a, a toxic relationship or working on it. Kind of like where, um, where do you, what, what actions do you take? So anyway, I want to talk about that when we come back, okay? Yeah. Sounds great. Okay, great. Great. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site, is a link to the products and services we provide. Books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our home page. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My very special guest is Anita Bentata. She is joining us from Australia, and we are talking about her work uh, targeting relationship abuse. Um, Again, you can find out more about all that Anita has to offer by visiting her website, which is anitabentata.com. That's A-N-I-T-A-B-E-N-T-A-T-A.com. And we're back, Anita. Thanks for staying with me. My pleasure. Great. And and before we go on, I do want to say you and I are connected on Facebook, so I appreciate that connection. Um, so, listeners, if you're on Facebook, uh, do please uh, join Anita and me there. But also, Anita, you also have 
um, support, online support for, for individuals. Can you tell us a, a little bit about what that is? Sure. I, the online support is for women. Um, I do support men too, but I haven't, I'm, I'm one person and I can only do so much at this point in time. I'm very interested to whatever develops over time to be able to do an individual group for men. I just find that because a lot of most women have been in abusive experiences with men, that it's a safe place to just have the online group for women only. But I have supported men and have worked, spoken privately and um, worked with men individually. Um, So my women's group online is a private group on Facebook, the Big Hearted Women community, and there I provide daily support and I teach some techniques and I give offers to the women there to be able to learn more about how they can address their path so they feel free in moving on. Great. So the Big Hearted Women community. Big Hearted Women. Great. Thank you. Now, we do have a caller and uh, with a question, so let me bring him on. His name is Craig. Hello, Craig. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Doing great. Thanks. Hi. So what's your question over there for Anita? Hey, hi, Anita. How you doing? Um, hi. Yeah, I was just, I, I was just thinking um, – uh, of a situation like myself, I have credentials, you know, and I always like to uh, um, acknowledge these credentials, which are so obvious to me. And I sometimes would be referring to my credentials for some reason to someone outside of myself. And they, they laugh, you know, they laugh and they say, that's not credentials. And I'm thinking, and you and, you, and I, I suppose that the fact that you're an Ivy League college student and all that, that, that you have your, that those, those are credentials, but my credentials are not credentials. Well, that's true. They have, they're 4.0 Ivy League college students, no doubt. But I spent 17 years in prison, you know, in and out of prisons and stuff and this and that. And so... Those, when I look back at my life, I'm looking at my credentials. <clears throat> That's my ability to sympathize with people right where they're at. And yeah. you don't have, and you don't have my credentials. And they're going, wow. And I go, well, you know, <laughs> and see, I get, my, my feelings get hurt because I'm not so much they get hurt, but, you know, my feelings get sensitive. And when they get sensitive, it's because they're telling me, hey, something's wrong. So I go take a look and see what's wrong. Uh, in light of the truth, which is underneath my feelings where I am, so that I can do what I do because that's what's important to me. So I don't find it funny or anything cute and funny when they act the way they do. I I agree with Hmm. you, Craig. There are many ways to receive credentials in life. And as I say all the time, that any counsellor, psychologist, social worker, Um, does not actually have the credentials, in my opinion, to actually work with trauma or abuse because those qualifications only work very, very superficially. And so for me, the qualification that I did after my standard university qualification was the one that gave me the skills to be able to work. And it's not a, a nationally recognized qualification, but it is a, it. It doesn't have to prove anything to the baseline of what universities will accept as scientifically correct. And so there are many credentials. What I really want to say to you, Craig, though, is thank you so much for sharing your story. But what I really want to say is that one of the things when I escaped domestic violence, I made a promise to myself because he started persecuting me through the courts. And I wanted. I made a promise to myself. I am free, and that does. That means that no matter what he continues to do to create, you know, revenge and punish me and try and still control me, I am going to be free no matter what's happening externally in my life. And so, I guess I really want to encourage you to find a way when people say something that naturally doesn't feel good for you to hear 
that something in you can say, I can feel good about myself irrespective of what you are saying or doing because true, my true freedom is that I can continue to feel joy and no one else can take that away from me. I don't know if that resonates yeah. for you. <clears throat> yeah, it does. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I talk to people and sometimes I make people cry and sometimes I make them laugh and, and all that. But when people try to point out, well, you, you know, like you made that person cry, you know, it wasn't like I was being mean to the person. They, they, they were, they, I was having a relationship with somebody outside of myself and it was such a delicate situation because this person was able to open themselves up to me and gave Mm -hmm. me a little bit of themselves. So I had a little bit to work with. And so, and, 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 and that was good. But then we get to this other part where, 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 where people, um, You could you could get outside of what you know you can you could get outside of yourself and do all these wonderful works and everything because it's not about you it's it's a spiritual thing if you will um, but but you come back to yourself and you can get irritated you know your the you know the surface of who you are can get irritated you know maybe somebody saying something or doing something causing you to uh, your feelings to get excited um, but a lot of people that have their feelings that rely on their feelings, you know, because they're feelings based people and they are unable to get underneath their feelings. I notice that there's almost like impossible for them to, because of their emotions, what they love, what they don't love is all tangled up in a knot. So they never get down to the heart yeah. of the matter. So if you're dealing with that kind of a person, okay, then you have some work to do if you're going to invest in that. I mean, cause look what you got to go through. Well, me, I, personally, me, me yeah. personally, I'm sorry, me personally, I, I had a head injury. So I was in a, I was in a coma uh, at, at an early age. And then when I came out of the coma or whatever, and then so this is me now, but I never could communicate like I do today uh, mm-hmm. all the time. I was kind of in that fog thing. I was stuck in that, uh, that stress response all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't, yeah. And today I'm still having to deal with that too. I'm a big believer in that, yes, we all affect each other, but we don't make each other cry or laugh that it's that everybody has choices. And so if you just say what feels right for you to speak about and other people can make choices about whether do I want to participate in this conversation or not, and it's not that we're making each other, it's all about bringing our own personal power back and that, yes, we will affect each other and everybody's got choices about how they respond to it. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds, that's great. you know, and, and Craig, you know, like Amelia said, I mean, you know, as far as credentials, I mean, I, I when I come across that, I've come across many a guest who felt that, you know, they had these you know, huge credentials, you know, and, and, and I should kind of bow down, you know, to those. And, and I just kind of chuckle to myself. It's like, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, I am very confident and comfortable with who I have on my show, what we're talking about and, and what I'm sharing, you know. I don't need, you know, to have, you know, ego, you know, on there. So, um, and, and yeah, that's sure. You know, my initially, well, I mean, I did have, you know, that, oh, my God, so-and-so doesn't want to be on my show or, you know, uh, anyway. But uh, it's just, it's just well, you know, we choose how we react, you know. And so, you know, if anybody starts coming up with credentials, just kind of give them a nod. Uh, obviously, well, I, their, the one that their belief of, uh, yeah, their belief of credentials is, is skewed. Well, one of yeah. the things that- Craig, the other thing that I really wanted to say is that for me, I think as children, we were taught how to cross the road, how to do up shoelaces, how to do those, how to, you know, be nice to other people. Um, But we're often not taught how to be with someone when they don't agree with us or they say something that we don't like. And so my big passion is teaching people how to be with that Um, confusion, the overwhelm, the shock, how to be able to sort it out 
so that we can remain in our personal power and feeling good about ourselves and not need someone else to behave a particular way or say a certain thing for us to feel okay. And that that frees us up in then in any kind of situation that we're in because we have our own internal map about how we navigate things and how we respond. Right. Well, for me, I, when you're, when you're talking right there, I was getting information. And then as I talk, I get information too. And then it just comes out of my mouth, but uh, taking responsibility for my feelings, you know, taking responsibility for my feelings, how I feel Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. my act and my actions. um, I find that I find, I find that I get, uh, the result, you know, because you you know you, you would think that you're going to get something for doing something, right? Mm. So mm. You, you, yeah. So if you're taking responsibility for your for your feelings, then that would be that would be for your actions and your behavior. Yes, the changes you the, the, the re, huh? The uh, I don't know if you've thought about this in terms of the word responsibility. I love it because if we slow it down or break it up into two words responsibility it's the ability to respond if we don't have the ability to respond we cannot be responsible we we blame we judge we minimize we deny we all as a society have difficulty with our ability to respond and that's why I'm a I teach what I teach to be able to be in charge of our own brain and our own body and know how to be with those involuntary responses so that we can tap into our natural instinct, our intuition, our inner guidance, um, and then we can be responsible. But we are a society that can't be responsible because we don't have those abilities to respond. You're right. You're right. Well, um, Craig, I thank you. Thank you, Craig. This has really been um, helpful. I, I appreciate you calling in. Yeah. Uh, Thank uh, you. Yeah. So okay. Thanks. I want to get back. So I, I have a few more questions I want to get to Anita before we close. So thanks again, Craig. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you, Craig. Okay, great. Yeah, you know, that was it's some really – important things, you know, that he had to say, and I really appreciate him contributing yes. to our conversation. Yes. Um, yes. Now, one, one of the things, you know, we, we were mentioning, um, you know, the, we were mentioning children. Um, so a lot of times, you know, obviously our belief systems are established as most of them, you know, in our formative years. So, how what have you seen um on how abusive behaviors affect children massive because it sets a pattern about their own identity and what choices they have to respond um it it also means that like what happened for me growing up, which is one of the reasons I got caught in abuse, is that I learned from a young age because my parents couldn't own their own toxic behaviours. Then what was modelled to me was that you've got to act as if you feel safe when you're not safe. You've got to act as if you love this person even when you don't. And so what happened was the chemicals in the brain light up then when I met this man later in my life And I read it as this is love, but it was the same as with my parents. It was that same dynamic Mm. of unsafe and safe and not lovable and lovable. And that's not what love is, but that was the template of what I experienced growing up. And so that was what shaped me as an adult. But I really love to share quickly um, a couple of stories to do with children to help people to understand how we can dramatically and quickly make a change through our society and we all have uh, the power to have that ripple effect. I'm a grandparent and when I was with my granddaughter on a couple of occasions, we bumped into some people and it really, to me, are great examples of what we can do as parents. At one time, we bumped in, when I was babysitting my granddaughter, we bumped into a female friend of my daughter's and her son 
And this little boy wanted to play with my granddaughter, but my granddaughter at that age was shy initially on reconnecting with someone and she was quiet holding on to my hand and then hiding behind my body when he kept persisting. And the mother, instead of saying Zara or, you know, my granddaughter didn't want to um, play right now and help him to be with the rejection and be with the uncomfortableness of things not going the way he wanted, she started to blame, you know, and make out, you know, she wanted to force the situation so her son didn't feel bad instead of helping him have that emotional muscle to be able to be with when things don't go the way you want. Another time I was in a lift with her and a stranger came in with his child and again, the same thing, she didn't respond in the way the child wanted and the father started ridiculing my granddaughter. Again, he's not teaching his child how to be with something when it doesn't go the way you want. And when we do that, when we do that as parents, when we try to blame and not teach our child how to be okay, even though someone doesn't respond the way we want and how to not take it as a rejection, but that, that's just where the other person is right now. It leads to toxic behaviors. Yeah, I can see that. And, and kind of goes back to what Craig was talking about as far as responsibility, you know, I mean, yeah. it's instilling in that child, you know, uh, what a, an appropriate response would be. And, and by trying to ridicule your granddaughter, um, I mean, it's, he's really kind of modeling for his child, you know, to um, that it's, that's the, you know, if you don't get what you want, this is how you respond. Um, yeah. And that'll, yeah, that'll definitely lead uh, to issues later on. <clears throat> um, that, that also, now, you know, sorry, mm -hmm. can I just very, very quickly add, yeah, you know, you know how I said earlier about my hypothesis about why people who are abused, they want you to be the same as them? Can you see how those uh -huh. examples are? It's like the parents kind of saying, yes, this person should match your fantasy about what you want to have happen instead of allowing that there to be different things going on. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, now, your book um, is entitled uh, The Wolf in a Suit, um, and it yes. has a little red riding hood and wolf theme. So why, why did you choose that as, as a frame for your book? That just happened organically many years before I even had the thought to write the book. Um, because I just started saying to a client one day without my conscious mind planning it, it came, you know, we can get clear and our unconscious can bring us pearls of wisdom. And I just started telling her, you know, as girls, we were taught to be like Little Red Riding Hood, to be kind to others, to take on emotional tasks that are too big for us, like a girl going through the woods to look after a sick grandmother, um, to be kind, compassionate, forgiving, understanding, all those things, and to stick to the path, follow the rules, and don't, and, you know, be polite to everybody kind of thing, don't be rude, and not listen to yourself. And in the original story of Little Red Riding Hood, she didn't want to go into her grandmother's house, and it puzzled her because she loved her grandmother. And so there's that pressure as Little Red Riding Hood to hand over and respond the way other people want you to and not listen to your inner guidance. And even when she's saying, what big eyes you have, what big ears you have, she knows something's not right. And she's seeking outside of herself and rather than staying with inside herself and going with that, even if the outside of her doesn't mirror back what she believes or what she perceives. And so that's where it started from me just organically sharing that story and every woman I've spoken to relates to the Little Red Riding Hood story of how we're shaped as females. We're taught to to act as if the wolf is fine and we're not taught that you can interrupt, say no, do something different. We're taught to be pleasing. And so in my book, I share that story, my interpretation of Little Red Riding Hood, and I also share 10 other 
um, myths and fairy tales with, that I reinterpret to help people to understand some of the things that people don't know to do with relationships, stress, society, family. Okay, great. And, and yes, and, and you have, you, know, you said you have stories throughout the book for, for people to, yes. um, to relate to. Now, uh, we're kind of down toward the end of the show. So um, if yes. someone listening is feeling or experiencing, um, you know, abuse, basically, you know, or they're, they're, they have that feeling of experiencing abuse, what, what would you say to them firsthand to maybe start to change the situation? Okay. Don't try and convince the other person. If then, if they're in a pattern of not, being genuinely remorseful and not taking responsibility to change their attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. If not, if they're not in a pattern of already doing that, then don't turn yourself inside out to try and have them realize because that's one of the things that can keep us caught. We try to be reasonable and assertive and we're expecting the other person to, if we're reasonable and assertive, that they will do the same back. It's about taking care of yourself. And if the relationship can become healthier, then it can be repaired, but prioritize yourself, seek help from people that are genuinely highly skilled to do with the brain and the body and abuse and trauma. And you're most welcome to join me online in my um, big hearted women community or contact me privately via my website or by Facebook or Instagram. And I can guide you as to what would be best for you in your situation. Yeah. I've also and got a, I've also got a go YouTube ahead. channel which has some good um, videos to help understand more about the way I work and how you can be with some great tips and techniques to help with your brain and body. And now, for someone who may be a family or a friend who is, you know, witnessing or maybe who has had someone who has experienced abuse come to them, um, is this, again, kind of going back to um, guiding or, or um, you know, kind of um, providing support for the individual to, for themselves to take the responsibility to take action? I mean, it, it, it obviously it rests with the individual who you know would need to make changes you know for themselves. So if someone, if you're witnessing it, is it um, do you just shut up and don't say anything, or do you say something, or do you how can um, a good friend you know provide appropriate support? Uh, I actually have a group for anybody that's a family or friend member and doesn't know how to help someone who's trapped in abuse because um, when we tell someone how they should be it it can hit on someone's denial and stress coping mechanisms but you have a really powerful point part to play because research shows and I think America would be very similar to Australia because we've got similar statistics with domestic violence is that 16% of women go to domestic violence agencies to seek help, but 75% will talk to family, friends and neighbours. So there is a lot that you can do, but I know we don't have the time right now. So please contact me if you want to know more about how to support and help someone that you are concerned about. Well, perfect. Thank you, Anita. That's what I was hoping to hear. So I really appreciate your time today. This has really been a wonderful discussion. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my followers from Australia um, sent me a, a, a little quick uh, text and uh, instant message and said that it was a, a very relevant and important topic. So um, so I, I really hope that we get some good information out there for, for everyone. So thank you very much for your time today, Anita. Thank you so much, Robert. I really hope that your listeners have been able to get something that can support them or support someone in their community. Great. Thank you. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Anita Bantata from Australia. 
You've been talking about targeting relationship abuse. Um, she has a wonderful website with lots of resources. Um, and again, you also she also has the Facebook groups. Um, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is anitabentata.com. That's A-N-I-T-A-B-E-N-T-A-T-A.com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.